Hello, everybody, and welcome to Cinema Rogues Episode 3, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Um, I don't know why I said that so stilted. It just kind of came out that way, so we're going to roll with it. Um, as always, I'm, as always so far, we're on Episode 3, uh, joined by uh, Andrew Derry. I burped your entire intro. You're, you're such a liar. I burped um, through the entire you may thing. Know, you may know Andrew from burp. such famous podcasts <laughs> as Bard Ga- Board Game Barbarian. Bard Game Bard Barfidence. <laughs> It's all about bards. It is. About the Bardemans. Bard board games. (laughs) Bard game barbarians. Ah, and there is my brother and co-host, Pablo. Um, Welcome, welcome to our third show. It is pretty exciting. Uh, We, this time it was Pablo's pick. Um, and he said almost immediately Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. You know, I thought about it for a real long time. Another option. It was a Godzilla. I think he gave us Godzilla. Oh, yeah. That's right. I thought about it for a real long time uh, beforehand, and I wanted to give you guys a movie that wasn't too challenging, but also that had a lot of really deep stuff to talk about. Um, So I didn't pick my more heavy, depressing art films that I was going to go for. We'll save those for another time. Godzilla? Godzilla, depressing <laughs> art film. <laughs> Godzilla two, the French Godzilla film. Yes, wee oui, wee. Oui. Godzilla a bunch of French cuts and Godzilla smoking a cigarette. And, <laughs> and there's a train coming into the foreground from the background the entire time. Yep. Uh well, as I mentioned, uh, we we got Andrew here. Um, we got Pablo. And um, yeah, we have none of the regular Retro Warriors cast. It is it is the opposites. The side character mm-hmm. show. B team. <laughs> Yay, B team. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but if you feel like you need more Andrew, please do check out Board Game Barbarians. Uh, you can go to boardgamebarbarians.com, check out his stuff. Uh, it's it's pretty interesting. I enjoy listening to it. I'm sure you can also um, slide you a few... Uh, I'm sure you can also slide a few dick pics into his DMs if you really want to. Yeah, I wouldn't do that. Oh, man. That's illegal in the state I'm in. <laughs> Andrew is looking forward to that <laughs> so much. Uh, if you need more of me, you can check out my YouTube channel. Uh, it's uh, Sightail Studios. Uh, I am working on coming into the 21st century and getting a website. I have the domain name. I just have not built it yet. Uh, so I'm working on that coming soon. If you need more Pablo, uh, just request more edits into the main show, um, and you will hear more of Pablo's work. You can also check I don't out how you're going to do that. You can also check out my Fiverr, where my services are for hire. I'll do everything from editing podcasts oh, yeah, to mixing down music uh, to sending dick pics. Honestly, if you really want one. <laughs> mm, well, I mean, I guess no. if it's if I'll it pass. is solicited, then then it's fine. Yeah, well, I mean, people would be paying. People would be paying free me. dick pic with every podcast no, edit. That's not free. I'm not. No, we're talking like thirty five dollar premium at least. Oh, okay. You know what I'm saying? That's pretty cheap. Pretty cheap for, for your dick pics. Yeah, thirty five at least. I mean, I'm. I'll trim up. I'll fluff up. I'll get it. I'll get a nice like light going. This just show has gone in a weird direction. <laughs> it really has, man. Uh, do, can you tell us anything else about your week, though? Uh, I've Besides been. Did you taking dick pics? 
I've been watching One Piece a lot lately and playing Animal Crossing and being out of toilet paper trying to figure out what the hell's going on during this trying time in our lives. Um, the important thing about my situation is that I work swing shift. So as soon as I get off of work, um, not in general, just off work, I, uh, all the shops are closed. Walmart's closed. Albertson's closed. They're all closed. So I get to stop. Wake up a little bit earlier. I ran to Winco uh, right before the show, and they were closing down at 10 o'clock tonight. They're usually open 24 hours. Yeah, the stores near me are open. I think I read they're 8 to 8 now. Hmm. Yeah. So if you wake up at 8, maybe you can go get some groceries. Yeah, I've been adjusting to life at home, you know, with the kids uh, not being in school and working from home. So that's... uh, that's been new. I mean, it's basically like an extended summer vacation. So figuring out how that works. I've been playing uh, Do Eternal. Until the that fall. was my choice. What's that? <laughs> said extended until the fall. Yeah, pretty much. I, I feel like we're not going to have like organized school again until at least the beginning of the next school year. Yep. So we'll see how that goes. But uh, yeah, unlike you, uh, Pablo, I did not choose Animal Crossing as my game this week. It was Doom Eternal. I've been enjoying the crap out of that. I haven't liked Doom games previously, but then I watched a video that one of our uh, Discord uh, people suggested, and watching this guy be infectious and just be like, no, you just got to go in and play and have fun, and oh my god, demons explode, it's amazing! And so I've been I've been into that for the past couple of days. Nice. But um, I, watched, yeah. uh, I watched Jack and Decepticeye uh, play the whole thing, so that was my experience with Doom Eternal. Nice. It was good. Deceptive, deceptive guy? Jap, Jack Septic Eye. Like Uranus? Oh, ah, that's like a, a butthole? Septic Eye? Now I want guy, I want your I want I want a new channel that you create called Deceptive Guy. <laughs> and it's just every time you play a Twitch game, you put the title as a game, but that's not the real game you're playing. That's Ooh. the only joke is that you're deceptively playing a different game. Yeah, I'm sure it would what's throw, posted. Uh, That's a good joke. It wouldn't go well. Out. Yeah, it would not go well at all. I give that. Yeah. I give I, that. I hate. You know what? I already get like zero viewers half the time, so I can't go a lot worse. You hear that, everybody? Okay. You need to watch my brother's channel. Give him some viewers. Hey, man, thanks. Zero viewers. Uh, Andrew, you got anything interesting, or should we go to news? Uh, I mean, I just got Animal Crossing. Been playing that. Hell yeah! Last night, a little bit little bit today um justin and i tried out the netflix party thing did it work mm-hmm. so actually i was interested in that start it did work it may we may start doing uh commentaries again because of how well it worked you know and netflix parties might together. be good for us too is if it, the it, movie is on the netflix then yes yeah it's a google chrome extension right correct yeah so i google do have to watch it on my computer chrome. Or you apparently can also stream it to like a Chrome cast or something like that. But uh, it worked uh, It worked out really well. We watched the last like 40 minutes of End of the Spider-Verse. Nice. In, in which I stopped writing notes because Justin was just talking the whole time. Uh, <laughs> and, compl- and complaining. And then... Justin uh, talk wait, for I a know. long time? And then we, we watched the Humanity Bureau, which uh-huh. is a really terrible Nicolas Cage movie. Like oh, I'm, no. t- I'm talking like B tier movie. 
like really bad CG and special effects and like, (laughs) ah man, it was so, so bad. If you want to watch a terrible movie, go watch the humanity bureau starring Nicolas Cage. That reminds me. I watched uh, Midway, the Roland Emmerich World War II movie that just came out. I don't don't know why that reminded you of (laughs) because it also had terrible computer graphics and was a bad movie. I thought you were talking like, Really bad. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I thought you were talking. I was confused as to whether or not the, uh, like the whatever you call it, where they put the background on the green screen or whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, whether that that video editing was purposely terrible as an homage to like '60s war movies, or if it was just they didn't have enough money to do the production correctly. Probably the money part. I'm talking like the humanity, humanity bureau was basically. Uh, like after effects, gunshot, muzzle flash. Like that's that's oh. how. Like yeah. And if they definitely don't know why Nicolas Cage is in that movie with his his old turkey neck. I don't know why Nicolas well, Cage was in, in this, this movie. movie. Because he's awesome. Because people choice. like Nicolas Cage. I mean, he did okay. a good job, but it was a re- strange you know choice. We'll talk about that in a minute. We'll talk about <laughs> that in a minute. Before we get there, we got news. We have so much news. We have so much news about like movies and movie delays uh, because of you know the ongoing uh, COVID nineteen uh, virus that I just summed it up and said you know what fuck it just every movie is being delayed at this point basically yeah uh, it is making more news when TV shows and movies are going ahead with productions than it is ones that are getting shut down at this point yeah I didn't know um, I thought you would put it in here did you take it out i guess i did i took a few of them out because i had like six in there i didn't even know that that uh the disney plus marvel shows are being delayed no oh yeah, yeah captain uh falcon and the winter soldier they shut down one filming location i don't know if they Lame. rescheduled their filming to to accommodate or what because that decision was made before like italy went on lockdown a couple weeks ago i mean long- it won't look as good but they could always just cg it they do have disney money so as long right, they could just use the uh, Mandalorian set. <laughs> yeah. As long as Miss Marvel comes out on time, I'll be satisfied. Yeah. Um, but would there had so because of the coronavirus, there have been all the movie theaters in the U.S. have been shut down at this point almost. Yep. Um, I think movie chains have taken that upon themselves, along with cities have been locked down and stuff, but. Um, now the movie theaters are, or the movie distribution companies are coming up with alternatives. And one of the side effects is that movies are coming out to for streaming earlier than they had originally intended. Oh and, no. The thing, oh, no. the thing they said they couldn't do. Right. They couldn't figure out a way to release a digital movie in time to digital. Which makes movie yeah, producers have... stupider than us because we can put content on the internet <laughs> really easily. <laughs> uh, yeah they're stupid bridge producers mm. yeah um but yeah so frozen 2 has already come out on disney plus i think onward is uh, um scheduled to come out digitally this week uh, uh, just came out theaters last week it's coming to disney plus i know on april like 4th i think third or fourth but, yeah, they're gonna just go. put it onto the disney plus service so if you don't want to pay for it uh you don't have to if you have disney plus it's not free, uh, though. You're it? technically paying for a subscription. Unless you haven't gotten the free subscription yet. Free trial. Free trial. Mm. And watch Onward. 
But uh, yeah, I will say I forgot to put that in the notes. I did get an email from I have the uh, um, the Alamo Drafthouse Pass, mm-hmm. uh, and I did get an email where they were like, "Hey, we've sus- automatically suspended your pass until further notice, and once we open up again, because they've closed all their doors, uh, they will reactivate it." At no further charge, and I'll get the remainder of my pass that month until... See, this is why I like Alamo Drafthouse. They're real cool. I mean, they did some not cool things, like they laid off off half of their staff without pay. That was so they they could file for uh, unemployment as soon as possible, apparently. Well, and they also didn't, like, pay them their saved PTO. Ah, yes. But... When you're a non-corporated company, like they're still technically a small business, even though they have uh, multiple chains. Yeah, I'm sure they'll be corporated. I soon. got a similar email from AMC um, for their subs program. Uh, oh, their, I got that too. Yeah, yeah. So they they've canceled mine and said, you know, we'll we'll automatically they're going to reevaluate it and then automatically spin it up. Um, so, so we'll um, see we'll see how things go here in. Six to eight months, which is, I think, the newest projection for things not being closed like this. Right. And I, you know, and I think personally, I feel like it's going to permanently change the landscape of of, the, of movie releases. Um, but well, I guess that'll be seen because, I mean, if if movie if movies can, you know, charge their twenty dollar rental or whatever it is um and they still make millions of dollars there i don't see any reason to go back into theaters as a primary distribution source i don't think they'll not do it they just may do them both and then we'll see what happens to the theater landscape right Uh, yeah i guess i should have said exclusive theater releases but at the same time if i still have my 20 dollar like theater pass that i'm paying a month why would i pay 20 dollars? i also will never pay 20 dollars for a rental sure who would do that unless i have to i don't know i mean i I mean that's basically what you're doing when you go to a theater you pay two people pay ten dollars to see a movie in a theater i mean if it's a movie that both me and my wife want to see then i'm i would probably pay the i don't want to say i'd never pay twenty dollars i would never pay twenty dollars for me by myself to watch a movie with no one else yeah i would pay it just to watch a movie like in my like uh, you know, in my theater room or whatever. Um, oh, fancy, fancy guy with his theater. theater. Well, I don't have a theater room anymore. <laughs> now it's a regular living room with two giant ass speakers. But oh, okay. But no TV, have one, just the speakers. You can listen to the movie real nice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but if it had a, com- uh, a comfortable seating, then you know, I think that would be an option. But uh, and I think the only other, <laughs> the only other thing we thought was of note in the past two weeks that wasn't coronavirus related. Sonic the Hedgehog surpasses Detective Pikachu as highest-grossing video game movie in the U.S. Take didn't, that, Uwe Boll. Wait, didn't I say Eat that it. last time during the or had it not no. happened yet? Uh, it hadn't happened until I think it happened last week. I see. Yeah, so I you we preemptively that it was going said. to happen. <laughs> so I do uh, want to say this about coronavirus. Uh, we this is now the time for you to listen to podcasts more because now you have time. Yeah, but you're not doing other stuff. And go out. Yeah, and you know what? It. I was gonna say, order Chinese takeout and buy Coronas because those businesses are hurting for some reason. Yeah. Fight yeah. Stereotypes. Yes. Fight the uh, power. <laughs> so into our topic, uh, we uh, we didn't really talk about this at housekeeping, and I didn't mean to, but 
Uh, we are going to go and have a completely spoiler full episode. Um, this is a movie that's been out for a year uh, or longer than a year, really. Yeah. Um, a year and a half almost at this point. So if you haven't seen it, uh, you know, hit pause, go watch it on Netflix, come back. Yeah. Uh, I think we also, go ahead. Sorry. No, and the, well, we, we decided that any movie that's going to, that has been out for at least a year, uh, we will probably do spoiler free episodes, but we will give you a heads up at the beginning of the shows. Most likely, um, that that's going to be the format. Um, depending on how, you know, this theater thing works out and, uh, how things go, we're going to figure out what works best per episode for the, for the show. Um, but, but for, for episodes like this, it's, it's definitely going to work better for us to be spoilery the entire time. Plus you'll know it's a spoiler alert because Pablo will put the spoiler thing on the episode. I assume. Yes. I'm doing it right now. now <laughs> in your head no, no no i edited it in in the future when i said right now he are put it in like bill and ted rules yeah so the the listeners are hearing it as i'm speaking right now in fact it's playing so loudly right now specifically you can't understand what i'm saying great all right now that that is over and done with Welcome to the spoiler part of the episode. Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse released December 14th, 2018. Uh, directed by three people, three directors. Bob Persichetti, Peter Ramsey, and Rodney Rothman. Written by Phil Lord and Rodney Rothman. An excellent, excellent movie. 177 um, animators worked on this film. Jesus. Uh, you have a note in here, Pablo, about the animation style, and I think this would be a really great time to talk about it. Um, from my understanding, they animated all the spiders at a different frame rate than than the background characters. Sort right? of. So uh, all of so the you first mean all of the all, spider people, all the spider totems is what they're officially known as. Hmm. Thank you. I was just saying. Um, so oh yeah, what's that called? It's the web of something, right? The web of life. Yeah, 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 it's it. just Thanks. called the web of life. Um, so uh, normally, uh, with with animation, with computer animation, especially like Pixar and, and uh, uh, Dream, what is it called? DreamWorks. Uh, edgy, yeah, I was gonna say edgy Pixar, DreamWorks. Um, they <laughs> they like to animate uh, what is called animating on ones, which is essentially for every. F- frame in 24 frames per second they have a different animation cell um this film for the most part was animated in twos um and it's funny because sony's trying to put a patent on something that disney did years and years ago but essentially what they're do what they did was they uh have a lot of the backgrounds and stuff animated in ones like typical computer animation but a lot of the characters are and especially Miles throughout the whole film, except for at the end, uh, are animated in twos, which makes them seem uh, a little bit more... Essentially, they're running on 12 frames per second instead of the standard 24. Um, But the rest of the Mm -hmm. film's going at 24, so you can kind of see it more, I suppose. And um, the word that the producers used was it gives the film a more crunchy, sharp feel. 
Um, that's from them specifically. But uh, really what it does is it kind of makes the animation stand out a little more. Um, it makes the backgrounds mm-hmm. pop a little more and it makes the, the po- like those special spider poses that, that Spider-Man's real famous for with the low angles and the bendy legs and uh, especially especially with Bendis's art. Um, Is that why whenever the trailer first came out it looked super jumpy? Yeah, so especially for people who are sensitive to frame rates, this film can be a little bit hard mm-hmm. to watch. Uh, I know that every time I sit down to watch it, and I've watched it a few times, uh, it takes me a few minutes to not want to look away. Um, even though I understand why they did it and it makes it actually look good after you get used to it, uh, people who are frame rate sensitive, uh, like myself, uh, might have a hard time, especially at the beginning. Um, but they did things. Uh, they did things like that. And what's really cool is whenever Miles Morales is learning things, um, I'm thinking specifically of the scene where they're running away from Doctor Octavia for the first time. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, <laughs> he, th- it's did he want to catch the the little the little bagel thing when he throws the bagel at the guy and it hits his hits him on the head and it says bagel like a sound effect. Mm-hmm. And it makes a little doink noise. It's <laughs> no. one of my favorite parts of the film. <laughs> anyway, during that sp- scene in particular, um, you'll notice that uh, Peter is animated with full 24 frames per second. And uh, Miles mm-hmm. is animated with 12, which makes Peter's uh, movement seem way more fluid and way more practiced. And it makes uh, Miles seem like a newbie, which was really cool. It's kind of like storytelling through animation style, which was... Something that's never really done, been done before. Um, and I think is one of the biggest reasons it won Best Animated Picture for 2018. Also, I do want to say that you may have not noticed it, but your brain did. Yes, yeah, for sure. For sure. I that's think, definitely I think one of those lends, things. I think it's one of the main things that lends to that the animation feeling very comic booky, right? One of the coolest things that they did... That I didn't notice until I, I, I started uh, breaking the film down, is that they use they didn't mm. use any motion blur like uh, how real films have and how uh, a lot of Pixar and DreamWorks films have. They didn't use any motion blur. Instead, they used animation smears, which if you've ever seen funny pictures of Homer Simpson like really ridiculous and morphed like those memes, you know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Those mm-hmm. are yeah, yeah, yeah. those are from animation smears, and. Uh, uh, like, f- for example, in a few far- parts of the film, if you pause it, you'll see um, maybe Peter Parker's arm is three times as long as, as it should be. Or maybe he has, you know, three arms instead of one when he's trying to wave his arm around, that kind of thing. Or maybe he has two faces and his neck is stretched, that kind of stuff. And so they did that instead of motion blur with this film, which really lent even, even, which made the film lean even more into comic book art style, especially with all the, uh, the half toning and hatching that they did for, for coloring the film, which I thought was really cool. And one of the things that I didn't notice until way later, um, was that they used sort of this particle effect that was made famous by this one guy named Jack Kirby. Um, Mm -hmm. mm-hmm. This one well, guy, that, that one guy. Yeah, this one guy. His name's Jack Kirby. <laughs> anyway, they use these particle effects uh, in the film, which I didn't notice until it was pointed out to me, and it really adds a whole lot in terms of making it sort of more whimsical and, and, and comic book e. 
I think yeah, they're. I like how each of the. Um, they're called. I was gonna say. I'm sorry. I, I like how each of the spider totems, um, also have different animation based on their background um, and the universes that they came from. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, well, I was uh, I was reading I, about that too. So like, well, yeah, I, I noticed it most specifically in Spider Ham. Spider Ham um, by uh, John Mulaney. For sure, John Mulaney. Uh, Mulaney, John, excuse John, me. John Mulaney. They didn't do too it's much. My, coast, my they coasters. <laughs> Your coaster that nobody else can see. Yeah, nice, but you guys can. Yeah. It's a cool Thanks. coaster. It's a Spider-Man coaster. <laughs> it's a Spider-Man coaster. Uh, what they, were you saying, Pablo? Sorry. They didn't do too much with Spider-Man Noir, except uh, make him, well, of course, make him monochrome and make his shading real dramatic. But uh, with Spider-Ham and Penny Parker in particular, uh, they really mm-hmm. studied, um, at least I assume they did, because it looks like they did, uh, they really studied hard on um, like old 70s, 60s animation for Spider-Ham, like Looney Tunes style animation for Spider-Ham. And they kind of emulated that mm-hmm. when they were an- when they were animating him. And for Penny Parker, they definitely took a lot of inspiration from actual anime because um, her, her movements are more um, uh, sharp and angly and, and uh, like anime. Just way more dramatic in terms of movement goes. Absolutely. So speaking of of, uh, the different characters, uh, the cast is is insane. Um, I I, I guess other than Miles Morales, right? Like Shamik Moore, I had not seen anything uh, previously that I can think of. Um, But he stars in the movie as Miles Morales, does a fantastic job. Oh, yeah, for sure. I don't think I've ever heard of him. Jake Johnson from uh, what? The New Girl? Uh, as Peter Parker, and did you send me the thing earlier, Andrew? About um, he right now is recording like free messages as Peter Parker. I didn't send that, but I did see that. Yeah, yeah. So for sick guys, children, uh, you know, for sick children, uh, he is volunteering to record some messages um, in these uh, times of trouble. Uh, Chris Pine is in the movie. I didn't know this until I looked up the ca- the cast. Oh yeah, he um, plays. He is the original universe, the Miles Morales universe. Peter Parker, blonde Peter Parker, which is apparently um, the ultimate universe. Um, because mm, is it? Yeah, because in don't me <laughs> the uh, <laughs> in the in in the scene where they are where they are showing specifically in the scene where um, uh, Fisk is asking. Uh, about the machine and how it works, the big uh, mm-hmm. uh, universe-splitting machine that they have in this film, listeners, just so you know, that that's what this film is about, is about this machine that Fisk creates and has uh, Dr. Octopus uh, build for him um, so that he can go into different universes and, I think, see his family who passed away or something like that. Um, but anyway... trying to bring them back. Bring them back. Or bring a different universe family into his universe so he can have them back. Which is relatable and understandable and uh, extremely selfish. He's just doing a shitty, doing it a shitty way. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, well, well, let's talk about this for a sec because that, that, I mean that is the 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 central plot point uh, in the movie and why we have multiple universes. Right? Is uh, Wilson Fisk, Kingpin? There you go. Forgot his comic name for some reason. Uh, I mean, Kingpin there goes in. Uh, he is beating up Spider-Man, his wife and kids see him run out in fear, get hit by a bus, and now he's reaching across multiple universes to get a replacement for them. 
Yes. Correct. Yeah. Um, which makes which you know, like Pablo said, makes sense. It, you can sympathize a little bit, I guess, but at the same time, uh, I feel like personally, it it feels terrible because he's ripping that version of them away from somebody else. Yeah. Right. From, a, right. from another alternate Fisk, I suppose. And as we know from the movie, we don't even know if them being in his universe would be sustainable. Yes. Right. Because they really right, couldn't exist. Because you immediately start running into the and fragging problem. I think... Uh, um, uh, what Dr. I was going to say about the Chris Pine blonde Spider-Man um, mm-hmm. is he also could be an allusion to uh, Ben Riley from the 90s comics where Spider-Man is cloned and right. his clone Ben Riley takes He's over blonde. for Spider-Man. And, and well, he dyes his hair blonde, yeah. Yes. Um, but no, so what I was going to say before we move on was that uh, in the in the scene where they're discussing the machine, I think him and Dr. Octavia, uh, they show a graph of the of all five universes and they all they're all numbered. And the one that they're from is labeled six, uh, six, 1610. What is it? Six one one zero. Whatever the ultimate universe is, is the that's how I know that they're in. The ultimate universe is because it specifically says they're in that universe in the movie, and uh, the okay. the uh, Peter Parker, the thirty-eight-year-old one who has gut, he's from six one six, which is the main Marvel universe. Um, and then of course right. Penny Parker's from her own universe. Um, uh, 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 Spider-Man Noir's from Played his own. Michael Glenn, um, and. Uh, uh, Peter Porker is also from his own. Like they, all of their universes show up in that one little graph, and, and it was a kind of a cool thing for for people who read Spider Verse and care about that kind of stuff. It wasn't. It was nice, but also at the same time, huh. it, it, it kind of hurt because it doesn't feel like this movie is in the Ultimate Universe, except for the fact that uh, Green Goblin was huge and bulky which he is in the ultimate universe. So is Venom, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, and everything is named something weird. Um, like how... Uh, like what? Oh, like uh, for the for a lot of the cameos, like the Google cameo, they were called uh, uh, whatever Google's old name was. Uh, Coca-Cola was called something like Cola Sweet or something like that. I don't remember all of them. There's a, there's a ton of examples of that though, and that's something that happens. The I ultimate also did not know because um, I was just looking up. Earth six one six is where Deadpool kills Deadpool takes place. Mm-hmm. Six one six. That's the oh, that's the that's the main Marvel universe. That's oh. where everybody's at, and I don't think Miles Morales exists in six one six. Or maybe because yes, that's what I looked up. Maybe he does. does he? I don't remember. Well, the original. So so far, uh, there has been one, two, three Mileses, and it's hard to tell exactly where they're from, except for the first Miles, who is definitely in the Ultimate Universe, and then the second and third Miles in the comic might be the same Miles, uh, but it's hard to tell. Um, and then there, of course, there's the video game Miles, whose dad dies instead of his mom, who dies in the Ultimate Universe. And uh, this current Miles that's going on right now has both of his parents alive. So, just as a background before we continue, it does look like the Ultimate Universe has 
ended and Miles Morales was merged into 616. Yeah. I think, but I think the thing was he moved to 616 or they started him over. I don't remember. It's been a while. Yeah. They probably, they honestly probably started him over. Yeah. Yeah, I would think during one of the mini reboots. But I don't know for sure, so don't hold me against that. Uh, Fine. All right. Good. It's been a little while since I've read it. But um, yeah, I haven't read it in a long time. But um, I don't know. Um, so anyway, we we're talking overall, about like, Fisk and his his uh, relatableness. Right. We're, we're, well, his his unrelatableness. Um, you know, he pulls he accidentally pulls in a bunch of uh, I, I guess we're calling them spider totems. Um, we're that's what they're called. And honestly. Well, I but they never reference that in the movie. The only way you're gonna know that is if you have like yeah, comic background. I don't know if we should call them spider totems for the show purposes. We should just call them spider people. Spider people. I like right. spider. Spider people or then. spiders. Either way, spiders yeah. uh, or spiders. Say spider men because you got Gwen Stacy, which is played by uh, Haley Steinfield. In um, I really like her. Ki- she's in man. I really liked uh, Gwen Stacy's character design in this particular movie. Uh, her hairstyle and her yeah, little yeah. I mean, it was very heavily gap. based on her most recent comic run. Uh, um, I guess I could see that. It's not after s- the revival. It's not super similar. Uh, you're talking about Ghost Spider. Um, yes. It's uh, it's a little similar. I, I just like it a lot more uh, than than that particular rendition um because she has the little gap tooth and the cool hairstyle and her character design tells a lot of story about her right because you can sort of tell and this might just be me sort of writing my own headcanon but because she has the weird teeth you can tell why she went a little bit uh on the um what do you call it not punk, but uh, alternative style, as opposed to, you know, normal high school girl. She's more has, you know, septum piercings and a, a great hairstyle and stuff like that. She's a little edgy. Edgy. There we go. She's a little more edgy, and I feel yeah. like the fact that she has some messed up features uh, kind of lends into how that developed over time anyway maybe that's just me reading too much into it but that's how it felt for me anyway that's perfectly valid if that's how it felt for you buddy um so uh in this movie i guess there there's obviously there's um uh, what's his face kingpin as as the main bad guy but he's got a henchman named prowler um that you find come to find out is is um uh, miles's uncle aaron um, and, and Prowler and Uncle Aaron are played by uh, Mahershala Ali, who mm. was in uh, the Luke Cage show uh, as the first, the bad guy for the first half of the season. Prowler, Prowler is a really cool character. I liked him a lot. I was super ex- excited for Prowler because when I was a kid, um, and I, I guess the, the comics that I read, he was more of a. Uh, like anti-hero that would team up with Spider-Man from time to time. Right. So it was weird seeing him as like a straight up villain for the most part. Prowler. Yeah. And that kind of subverted some expectations. Um, 
I was I was hoping for a redemption arc, like especially when he like pulled back. Like he, him getting shot was a surprise, genuinely. Yeah. Um, he he. A sad surprise. It's right. funny because Prowler dies in every Miles storyline, but also comes back in every Miles storyline. So I'm expecting to see Prowler somehow in uh, the the sequel, the one that's coming out here. Um, as his uncle or as somebody else who dons the... No, at, as the Prowler, as his uncle, the same character. Um, hmm. Because he, he, he always comes back. For example... Um, in the most, uh, what's the word? Uh, egregious? Is that the right word? I don't know. We have to have context for what you're about to talk about. Um, (laughs) the best example of how jarring it can be was that one time after the Prowler had already come back once, he got killed again, but this time there was no reason for him coming back. He just said, yeah, I don't know. I just woke up in the middle of the forest and then came back. That was the comic book write-in for why he's alive again. It was just a throwaway line about him waking up somewhere randomly. And and everybody was surprised that he was alive in all of this. And it just made no sense. So I'm expecting yeah, well. Prowler to come back in the second film, for sure. Yeah, I guess they just they didn't need another origin story for him. <laughs> like effort he's back yeah deal with it exactly that's exactly <laughs> how it was because it was kind of Maybe a surprise in the comic right? him. i think uh i think prowl it's in this most recent one that it happened uh the the current run of miles um mm-hmm. he wasn't in the first like 13 issues and we know he's dead um but then all of a sudden he just came and uh kind of deuce ex machina saved miles from whatever trouble he was in at that give at that particular moment and um i don't know i just thought it was funny made me laugh at the time but uh talking about the prowler brings up another interesting point which is that at the beginning of this film it says that uh Mm -hmm. it's approved by the comic books code authority which um Mm -hmm. It's a whole bunch of rules and guidelines back in the day that uh, it's kind of like um, uh, the what's it called movie ra- movie like ratings uh, and uh, uh, video game ratings like T through M and yeah yeah, yeah. It, it's kind of like that except if it's approved by the comic book code authority you know it's E for everyone essentially. And uh, right, right, right. they have a bunch of guidelines, and one of the biggest guidelines is that none of the criminals can be relatable. And Prowler and Fisk are both relatable in this film. Um, maybe not to everybody, but uh, certainly I related to Fisk because I've lost a loved one before. Um, not in death, of course, just a really long relationship that kind of fell apart. Uh, so I understood how he felt in that moment. Um, and then the Prowler is just completely relatable in every way, especially in this film. So. I'm sorry. What? I'm looking at your notes right now, and I'm kind of blown away. Bye. Are you telling me that Spider-Man 2099 is in this movie? Yeah, he's in the post-credit scene. There's a post-credit scene? You haven't seen the post-credit scene? It's hilarious. him being in the movie. I, don't I have not seen this. Miguel O'Hara. It's great, but his costume doesn't count as him being in the movie. It's not his costume. He's not a character 
in the movie. He, he's just uh, in the post credits. In his post credit scene, essentially, he's talking to his uh, AI woman, and uh, mm-hmm. he tells her to send him to 1960s, and he goes to the 1960s, and the entire segment after that point is animated in 60s Spider-Man style. And it's just that meme Mm -hmm. where Miguel O'Hara and Spider-Man are pointing at each other. (laughs) And they're like, why are you pointing? Don't you know pointing is rude? You're the one who started pointing. And they go back and forth like that for a little bit. It was a really funny gag. You should definitely watch the post credit scene if you haven't already. Um, And you guys should definitely watch it. I Obviously. Uh, But you did remind me that that is one of my favorite things about, about this movie is how diverse the cast is um and the cast and the settings um feel i suppose authentic and representative of the uh, i don't know growing up in new york experience not that i've had a lot of experience growing up in new york oh um, yeah but some of the ambience ambient sounds and and surroundings it seemed very uh well they did they did a lot to capture the feeling of brooklyn and specifically, they did a lot to um, uh, uh, highlight the differences between Brooklyn and Manhattan. Because as you know, Spider-Man is from Manhattan, but Miles is from Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. Um, so they did a lot, of, a lot of real subtle stuff. An example would be uh, they played one of Biggie Smalls' songs about Brooklyn in the movie. Because um, mm-hmm. Biggie's from Brooklyn, he was a Brooklyn rapper. At least I think he was. Don't quote me on this stuff. But uh, they they played one of his his songs during the film, and they also had a lot of that ambient noise from Brooklyn itself. Um, you can kind of tell it's like a little inner city. Um, you could tell the schools are like P.S. like a like a Hey Arnold. It felt like that. Right. Um. But anyway, Biggie this, Smalls is from Brooklyn. Yes. Okay, cool. Thank you. Thank you. Um, and uh, one of my favorite songs from this film, mentioning Biggie Smalls, was the special song that uh, postponed my student loans um, did specifically for this uh, movie. The one that Miles is listening to on his headphones at the very beginning of the film. Sunflower? I assume that you mean Post Malone? Yeah. Yeah. Post Malone short for postpone okay. my student loan. I don't know if you knew that. Okay, oh, man. But uh, I I did not know that. Hashtag facts. I don't know that I believe you either. <laughs> but why wouldn't I mean, this sounds like hashtag Pablo facts, yeah. <laughs> which are kind of dubious at best. Maybe. I uh, yeah, I mean that would be a good time to get into. I I think the sound soundtrack in this movie is perfect. It was, like, it was it's, beautiful. It's an amazing soundtrack that's done really well, um, and emotionally uh, enhances the movie significantly. I totally agree. Um, And not to sound too pretentious, but when films and commercials do a really clever and well-done switch from uh, diegenic to non-diegenic or non-diegenic to diegenic sound, um, like when they're playing the Post Malone song as a soundtrack and then it cuts to Miles in his room and you hear it through his headphones... I, I get a huge heart mm-hmm. on for that kind of stuff, especially when it's yeah. done well. Like it was this time. All right. I think you also probably need to explain diegetic and non-diegetic sounds to someone who has not taken any film classes. <laughs> <laughs> 
right? Uh, the only reason I remember that is because I went, I snuck into my college girlfriend's film class because she's like, we're watching American Graffiti, and I had never seen it, and she's like, well, come watch it, um, and then she started explaining it there because that was a big focus of. Uh, I, I think American Graffiti, all of the sounds are coming from a source on screen. Yeah, so for anyone out there, diegetic is sound that is a noise for, that is on screen. And then non-diegenic. And di- non-diegenic is not on, like, like soundtrack not have stuff. a source on screen. So diegetic would be like, he's listening to it on his headphones. And that's so he, the character himself can hear the sound, and you can hear the sound, so that's diegetic. And the non-diegetic usually- would be... It's a, you, it's a it's a noise or a sound that only you can hear, but the character can't. Exactly. So non-diegenic would be the soundtrack. Diegenic would be in the film, and they usually run some kind of low-pass filter over, uh, over diegenic sound, so that way it sounds like it's coming from an alternate source, like headphones or from the other room, that kind of thing. We um, have now fulfilled our learning portion of the show, <laughs> where you learn something. Our film appreciation course. <laughs> Uh, hey, let's talk about the villains, though. Um, we we kind of mentioned them in passing, but uh, you, you've got Wilson Fisk, uh, Kingpin. One of my uh, favorite who, versions of Kingpin. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. the uh, that's the ultimate uh, version, is Fisk, with when he has a big body and tiny legs. Um, that's usually how he's designed head. in the Ultimate Comics. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and that say- Goblin makes... A- I was going to say that I was going to lead into exactly what you are going to lead into. Um, That is that being from the ultimate universe is why also the green goblin is shaped like he is. And all of the villains from that universe kind of have that big bulky feel. Um, Uh, It's my least favorite representation of most of these villains. Yeah. See, when I think ultimate green goblin i think from like ultimate like one through ten green goblin from like 2004 like huge demon guy no no, that was no before. he's like tiny little mm. that was before that oh. uh when they first rebooted it uh the marvel ultimate universe or whatever but um but oh. he's got tombstone with him as his henchman mm-hmm. um you know what i'll be honest there was one point where that bugged me and that was when like i think aunt may kicked the tombstone and it was fine Oh, she hit him with a bat. And I even like paused the movie and turned to my wife and I was like, Tombstone's named Tombstone because he's basically as hard as a tombstone. So Aunt May can actually hit him that hard. <laughs> Did you see Tombstone was driving? I don't remember in what scene exactly, but in some of the buses in the film, it's Tombstone driving. Really? Yeah. I think hmm. there was like two instances of, of that is one where... Uh, I think Miles or somebody gets hit by a bus and then the other is where someone gets hit by the bus in the big final fight scene. Uh, both times mm-hmm. Tombstone is driving the bus. I didn't catch it with my eye. I watched a breakdown afterwards to find that part out. Hmm. Um, but I thought that was funny. Um, and, uh, you know, as we talked about, Wilson Fisk does uh, drive the, the drive the plot and is the reason for why things are happening. Um, but as we all know, Kingpin is not the smartest tool in the shed. He is strong. He's willful. He is organized and can run his organization, but he does have his mechanical lackeys. And in this case, it is uh, Olivia Octavius. Olivia Octavius, who, my favorite Doc Ock. In this, by a in wide this movie, margin. they did not 
expand on her relationship to Otto, if he exists or not in this universe. Um, uh, from from everything that I could see, she is the lone Doc Ock. Well, there's a there's an ulti- there's an ultimate Doc Ock, isn't there? Someone I'm, I don't I'm just know. talking about what we saw in the movie. I'm not yeah. a huge fan. I used to have uh, when I was growing up. I had a big book of Spider-Man um, characters. So it was just a, a paperback trade of Spider-Man's characters, villains, heroes, and anti-heroes that would team up with him. Um, and the Doc Ock that we see in this movie, in that book, it is uh, Otto Octavius's daughter. Mm. Okay. Okay. But that is not mentioned in this movie in any any instance. Yeah. Well. Yeah, so I, I guess this kind of sort of ta- speaks to to where it fits in in canon and and you know I, can't, I know we keep talking about the comics and I I, I, I want to do that a little less but it it does because for me the I don't think the continuity necessarily carries through from movie universe to comic universe right it, it never does um. At, it never does, right? It, it's as as hard as they try. There are going to be variances that people pick on and say, "Well, it's not exactly like this because this," or, or you know, whatever. But I, I, you know, I, I think this this movie sets up its own sort of universe where it can now pull in from all these other sources and not necessarily need to worry about canon. My main beef with that, because I, I agree with you uh, on all your points, and my, but my main beef with that is they specifically mention that it's from 1610. Um, like how, in the, how the MCU is its own universe. Like MCU is specifically the MCU universe, right? Um, yep, yep. yep. But in this mo- film, they well, they um, point out in the film canon that it is 1610. Unless all of the universes have their own movie version of the universe, which is totally what it is. Um, that's, uh, that's my biggest gripe with that particular thing and why I, I mentioned the comparisons between the comic and the, the movie. It's not something I usually do, um, but in this particular instance, I feel like they were trying to go for it so hard that they actually mentioned that that's where it's from. And it's kind of important in the context of the film, too, because it's from a bunch of different universes, you know? Did anybody look up... That's what I'm trying to do right now. The writers, were either of them related to comic book writing in any way? It looks like they both did... 21 and 22 Jump Street and a couple other things so they are not comic book writers so I don't I don't know if you should pull even though it's mentioned what universe that it's stated in there I don't know if you should really kind of hold too hard to it since the people writing the movie weren't necessarily related to the Marvel universe other than writing this movie yeah yeah, like it didn't it didn't set off my sort of continuity sensor um because all the origin stories that they put in there were true to the the comic version of the or, of of their origin stories. Yeah, exactly. And um, that kind of so. drives that kind of drives the point home a little more as you mentioned because they literally show the comic book covers with the artists and writers names on the comic book covers every time they introduce a new character. <laughs> Like you have uh, seen that character exactly, um, which 
it, it kind of pulls it again into that argument. Well, it's not like the comics, blah, 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 this and that. Um, anyway. At the same time, you have Miles learning how to be Spider-Man from reading Amazing Fantasy 15. Yeah, that was cool. That was really cool. <laughs> I liked that. Because uh, I have I have that comic right over there. I got it from uh, Justin's brother. Nice. I got a, I got a reproduction of it from the uh, collector's edition of the Sam Raimi Spider-Man movie uh-huh. uh, that I went and got signed by Stan Lee at uh, Dallas Comic Con one year. Nice. I think there's a true. I think there was a their name to Fan Expo. I think there was a True Believers edition released for this particular film. I might be hmm. making that up, but I seem to recall that happening. True Believers, if anybody doesn't know, is a dollar version of old comics that are like a hundred or two hundred dollars. So, how did we feel about Peter B. Parker? Peter B. Parker, Jake Johnson's Peter Parker. <laughs> I feel like he was the one of the Peter most Parker relatable movie. characters. <laughs> he was fat. Uh, he had a failed business, <laughs> a failed marriage, a failed marriage. He was sitting in a bathtub eating pizza. Feels like something I'd do. I really um, liked him. Yeah, I mean, I, I put it as like the, the darkest, not necessarily darkest timeline, but the Spider-Man that gave up kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I can't think Cause of... I, feel like I can't think of a... He wouldn't have equivalent. that huge gut. Yeah. Yeah, he wouldn't have that huge gut if he didn't kind of stop fighting crime as much. Exactly. So you can kind of yeah. ex- that, and that drives the that drives my point from earlier home a little more. There's a lot of storytelling through animation, right? Through character design, there's a lot of storytelling, and that is one of them. Like you can tell, he stopped fighting crime because he has a gut, and he wouldn't have a gut if he still fought crime as much. That kind of thing. And there's a bunch of examples of yeah. that in this film. Well, yeah, I mean that, and his entire attitude when he got sucked in. Mm-hmm. Or he started eating more pizza than he fought crime. Yeah. His pizza to crime yeah, ratio. His pizza to crime ratio was <laughs> off. Yeah. yeah. His pizza to crime fr- fighting ratio. Um, um, one of the things that uh, bugged yeah, he, me about uh, this film um, was that there was only one Leopardon reference. So there's that. What the hell is a Leopardon? Leopardon is the best Spider-Man character. Uh, he is from the 1960s Japanese live-action Spider-Man, and he's essentially a Megazord. Ah. Nice. So, uh, he's Leopardon, he turns into a spaceship, and I believe a motorcycle, maybe? And, uh, he was in the Spider-Verse comics, uh, for a little bit, uh, but he, like, there's no mention of him because he's from this completely different franchise, and I love when they mention Leopardon. Um, because it's one of those deep cut references. And there's only one Leopardon reference in this whole film, which oh. is in uh, Miles Morales's drawing journal. When he was making little doodles, he doodled Leopardon. So that's all I got. Maybe he'll be yeah. in the next film. <laughs> Sorry, I was laughing a second ago because I was reading through Andrew's notes, and it just says plot holes. Oh, yeah, plot holes. Tell us. I mean, there are plot holes. Of course, they Wait, where are. are we? Where are we? We're at the bottom of your notes right now. Oh. At least that's where I'm at. We've been going through all the. We've already gone through all the notes. We've gone through a good chunk of them. I'm just jumping around. Oh, is that where you're getting all? You're getting all the villain stuff from my notes. I was pulling some of it from there. How yeah. dare you? 
I uh, know. I forgot. I was also going to say that I forgot Scorpion was even in the movie. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. So I want to say something. <laughs> All right. All right. Go for it. I don't like the way aesthetically the ultimate villains look. Yeah. I, always, I could see I, that. I got that, that sense from reading your notes. That yeah. Every uh, one of them's like, no, I don't like this version. No, that's yeah. the worst version ever. That, I don't like the Scorpion. <laughs> that's an extremely uh, common thing. The ultimate universe is very divisive. Um, and that is one of the mm. biggest talking points is the way that the villains are designed. Because I love them. I don't like Andrew doesn't like them. Green Goblin as like a, an actual goblin. I like him as a, just an insane person in a fancy suit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Dude, I liked uh, as Will- as Willem Dafoe. Main universe number. Uh, what was that? As Willem Dafoe. Green yeah. Goblin. I mean, in nor- or or normal Sp- Spider Man villain. I uh, I think Spider. I think Spider Man six hundred. They had the Red Goblin, which was. Um, Red Goblin uh, was awesome. The Green Goblin with the red symbiote. I yes. thought that was fantastic, but that's not in this movie. He was I did have a great joke that we just skipped over. Tell it. What? Go back to it. Yeah, it was in the spoiler-free us. section, which we got rid of, which we nixed, you know, but I, it's also partly my fault. Uh, but it was, we heard you like orange, origin stories, so we put some origin stories in your origin story. There are so many origin stories in this movie, and I get it that it's a meta joke, but oh my god. Yeah. Hey, that was, uh, that's good. So I can have origin stories with my origin stories while I enjoy my origin stories. Yep. And at the end, you figure out that the entire thing is an origin story. That's true. Uh, One of the plot holes that, uh, going back to that, I did notice, I didn't go back to verify it because I was very lazy, but uh, (laughs) Spider-Gwen and Miles don't have the same Spider-Sense moment that that he has with basically every other Spider-Man whenever they're in the school after he gets his powers and sticks his hand on her hair. Oh, they don't, Uh, but they they didn't. She does have one eventually at a certain point, I thought. They do have one eventually. No, they have one whenever they're down in the basement when all six of them have yeah, one. Yeah, exactly. I thought she had one, but he didn't when they met, and that's why she was being nice to him. Dilla plot. Well, no, because when they first met, he didn't have powers yet. Right. Well, they met in the hall. I'm sorry. But yeah. he did not. Yeah, his spider not. sense might not have been... that one later. No, because it's... But he You're had right. it with every single other spider He had it with the first... Besides her. He had it with the very first Peter Parker, which was before that scene, right? Yes. No. Yes, it was. Was it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think so. So you're right. That is a little bit of a plot hole. I posted a picture of Leopardon in the chat if you want to take a look at him. He's real cool. I posted a picture of Venom as Godzilla. Yeah, that is cool. <laughs> I like that. That's what. I, that's a cool picture. I'm going to save uh, that. Other plot hole that Justin would not shut up about, which is why I stopped writing notes because I was like, please just stop talking about this, uh, was at the very end battle, whenever mm-hmm. all the Spider-Men have gone home, and, or Spider-People, um, and Miles Morales is fighting Kingpin, they get into a, a subway car, mm-hmm. and they're fighting in a subway car that's just flying through the air, and Justin would not shut up about how... Uh, Kingpin would not have been able to get into that car without breaking through the wall, but there's no indication that he broke through a wall until after he leaves the subway car. Because I mean, there is a portion in. where he goes, <laughs> he just sucked it in. Yeah, he just well, he goes to the edge whenever he sees like his his wife and son run away, and like his head barely fits through the door. Yeah, 
He just sucked it in. He sucked in his head too. The whole thing. Oh, sucked it in. Yeah, just whole like, body. Let's uh, can we talk about Doctor Octavius yeah. for a little while? Um, yeah, sure. Gender swap thing, awesome, cool, loved it. I really liked her character design too. Did anybody notice that she was surrounded by octagons the entire movie? No. Like her glasses were made of octagons. The lighting in her in her uh, office was all octagons. She had octagon symbols on her doors. She had octagons on her computer. <laughs> there were so that many was one octagons. Of the funnier moments to me when uh, when uh, Miles was stuck on the octagon light. Oh yeah, and he was stuck. And there. Yeah, he's stuck, and you just they they show her talking or whatever, and you just see him in the background and the light going rah, 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 back and forth. I like great. that. I like that whole sequence. That was the the sequence with the 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 bagel uh, when he gets hit, tapped on the head with that bagel. <laughs> and yeah, she really bleak. reminded me of the scientist princess from Shira, the new series. <laughs> I haven't watched it yet. It's good. You should watch it. It's uh, all right. You should watch it. After actually, after the second season, it gets kind of obnoxious, but it was good up until then for me. Anyway, I'm sure a lot of other people like it. Austin loves it, uh, but he has a little daughter, so I just made myself very happy. Why? So the so I looked up later because Pablo had a note in here about um, Donald Glover being uh, basically the Prowler character, the mm-hmm, uncle. Mm-hmm. He played the Prowler in Homecoming. Um, so I. So I went right. He played well. He didn't play the Prowler in Homecoming. He played Aaron, the uncle in Homecoming. Yeah, Aaron Davis. Um, I think his name is Aaron Davis. Um, but I looked up tr- to try to verify that. I just looked up online, and there is a Donald Glover cameo in this movie. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, there definitely I was is. Very excited about, and I just verified what you guys were talking. I actually just pulled it up on Netflix and like scrolled through. <laughs> Tell us. Uh, but it's uh, Donald Glover's Community Spider-Man PJ scene from... Oh, yeah, where they're watching the Community. Community. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I caught that, too. Yeah, and, and the, first, the first scene, whenever you're in uh, Aaron's house or whenever Miles shows up to Aaron's apartment, on the TV you can see him get up out of bed in his Spider-Man PJs. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice. That was yeah. cool. Because he was... Awesome. There was a huge internet, like, uh, uh, I guess uproar they were trying to get um they were trying to get uh the donald glover to play glover uh, to be miles he's miles way Morales too old to play miles yeah i mean at this point yeah well even yeah even but, I mean, at community point because at, during community he's like in his what early 20s and miles yeah, is supposed I mean, to be like thir- made an, an older miles miles is supposed to be 13 or 14 he's just now turned 16 to be fair to be a hundred percent fair in most spider-man movies spider-man is supposed to be 17 to 18 years old and is played by 30 year olds (laughs) that's true did you guys catch all the sam raimi movie references in this film there i mean there's the obvious ones like the dance one single one no there was a few um the the one that's the most obvious was where he uh stopped the bus where miles stopped the bus or where uh no it was Peter B Parker stopped the bus with all the um spider webs and stuff. Mm-hmm. 
there are a few other ones. There were a couple of upside down rain kisses. Oh, so yeah, there was an upside down rain kiss, and there was a there was um, two. There was two. The one was but one Mary Jane was upside down, and the other uh, Spider Man was upside down. There was also when they were doing the backstory for Peter B. Parker, uh, they showed him doing the uh, finger guns and the dancing while walking down the street. No, that was Peter Parker from Miles Morales' universe. That was, was the original. That was the intro to the movie. Oh, okay. Yes. Anyway, like, hey, I'm the Spider-Man. Blah blah blah. Yeah. Let's forget about that one time. Is I think what he says. Okay. Sure. You're gonna go off and talk on like a million tangents about the comic book universes and how no, no, no. Exactly that's that's up. what he says. And you're gonna get mad at me. You're gonna mad at me for <laughs> pointing out that you're talking about the wrong one in the movie, but brother. That's what he says. He says, "Let's forget about that one time." Um, <laughs> in the intro, that's what that's what Peter says. I was just quoting. Yeah, um, yeah he was dancing. So for a long time, I thought that maybe the blonde Peter was. Uh, the Sam Raimi uh, Spider-Man. Uh-uh. Uh, it, was a re- it was a reference to that, but I, I like your Ben Parker one better. Yeah. Yes. Uh, I think that's. I think that the uh, art directors came out and said his blonde hair was directly inspired by Ben Parker. I might be ben making that up, Riley? but I see... Ben Riley. Ben Riley. Yeah, yeah Ben Riley. Sorry. Uh, 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 post credits. Which, funny part about that... Was- about the comics, Ben Riley was actually Peter Parker because the clone and Ben Riley couldn't figure out which one was the real one. Uh, and then Peter Parker later in the comics uh, disintegrated as clones would do in that universe. And mm-hmm. uh, Ben Riley was like, I guess I'm the real Peter Parker, but now that Peter Parker's dead, so I'll just stay Ben Riley. And then they rebooted the comics because, you know, Marvel. <laughs> because Marvel. Um, the. I think that about wraps it up. Uh, do you guys have any uh, final thoughts, uh, recommendations, etc.? Pablo, we'll start with you. Uh, there was a subverting expectations was a major running theme through the entire film, uh, which I found was interesting, and that his project at school throughout the film was about subverting expectations, and they. Uh, do a lot of subversion of expectations through the characters and, and the writing itself, uh, which I really liked. Um, and I wanted to bring that up. Uh, I felt like that was one of the biggest films. Um, and there are there is a reference to Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs in the film. No. Mm-hmm. Where? Uh, I think one of the lead animators or something like that uh, worked on one Cloudy with a Chance. One of the main writers? Mm-hmm. One, of, one of the writers did, yeah. And, uh, what was the reference? That machine he has—I forget what he calls it—but the 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 machine that he shoots up into the sky and it, it creates the food clouds. That machine shows mm-hmm. up for like a split second in the end fight scene. Nice, which is really cool. Uh, what about you, Andrew? Final thoughts? I mean, my whole thing was the—it showed like the underlying theme of choice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm there are multiple characters throughout the entire movie that keep telling miles that he doesn't have a choice. Oh mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Uh, and he doesn't have control of his powers until the end of the movie when he decides to, Oh, that was instead of stay seated. That was something I really wanted to bring up. Um, what's that throughout the film? He's animated in ones, right? Um, but at the end of the film, 
there's a few cool things that they do. They start animating him in twos to show his smooth movements that he's become Peter. He's become Spider-Man. He's he fits into the role, uh, which they show in the film by um, when he first sees the the Peter Parker outfit, uh, Spider-Man outfit. His reflection is shorter than the suit. And then when he comes back later, mm-hmm. his reflection and his his face match exactly with the face of the suit, um, which was cool because that's like signifying, hey, now he fits, right? He believes in himself now, so now he fits. And they show that through the animation. Um, but also, one of the coolest things they did, which gets me so freaking excited, is that when you watch his fight at the end of the film, he uses moves that he learned from the other spiders, throughout the entire film, which they don't mention it or say anything, but uh, they pretty much one for one copy the entire uh, 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 1610 uh, Ultimate Spider fight with the Goblin um, when he's fighting Fisk at the end of the film. There's like a one for one there. And um, he uses a bunch of moves that he saw uh, uh, the other spiders using when they were fighting with uh, that group at May's house. He uses some of those moves too. Um, So it, it shows this really cool thing where it doesn't really explain why Miles is good at fighting, right? It never in the film does it show him exercising or, or getting fit or anything like that. Um, It just, Mm -hmm. but at the end of the fight, all of his moves are from, the other spiders and it's just cool because it shows how he learned that stuff and again it's it's storytelling through animation which was nice um and i don't know i just really like that part i thought that was pretty freaking neat all right well let me ask you a question then um of the spider movies where does it rank for you this one yeah number one for sure for sure. I don't know. You don't know. Would nope. you put it in the the top of your movies, I guess? I mean, Spider movies? What? There's not even been 10 main Spider-Man movies. So, yeah. I mean, I put it in top 5. I th- okay. I think That's I would fair. tie I think I would tie Sam Raimi Spider-Man 2, this one, and Homecoming. Like all for the top, well, definitely top three, but uh, given my mood, they can change order. Okay. I, I would agree. I think uh, I would put Homecoming one and this one two. Um, and then, ooh, I don't know, three is a hard fought one for me. Uh, I would think probably the first Ma- Matthew Garfield. What's his name? Is that his An- name? Andrew Garfield. Andrew Garfield. Andrew Garfield. You would you would remember that. That's right. I didn't. I wasn't a huge fan of the Andrew uh, Garfield films. Uh, I love the first one. Yeah, um, first one was pretty great. But uh, anyway, so uh, for for our listeners, um, obviously we love the movie. Um, if if you haven't seen it and we haven't completely spoiled it for you, or if the spoilers just make you want to see it more, uh, you can check it out. Netflix. It's available for purchase, uh, physical and digital. Um, absolutely go get it, watch it, rent it, whatever you got to do, see this movie. It's pretty fantastic. Um, I just want to say thank you to everybody for listening. Um, 
we will be back with another episode uh, of a movie that Andrew is going to pick. He did mention earlier that he was being lazy, so that part of that being lazy was was not picking a show. I mean, I or a movie for next time. Not laziness, just indecisive. Oh well, there you go. That's uh, probably better. A better phrase. Um. So. For everybody that's listening, thank you for joining us. We will see you on the next episode of Cinnamon. Oh my gosh, I almost said Cinnamon Rolls. Uh, Might as well, you guys. We'll see you on the next episode of Cinnamon Rogues. Thank you for. God damn it. I just did it, didn't I? You said Cinnamon Rolls. I mean, Cinema Rogues. Yeah. Yeah, I. No, I said Cinnamon Rogues. Um, Anyway, thank you for joining us on this adventure in Cinema Rogues, and we will see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.